Hello, Nephew community, and welcome to the Hot Topics in Nephrology podcast. I'm Jeff Lockwood with the Nephew Medical Team, and I'm here with Nephew's favorite nephrology writer and editor, Mark Newman. Every month, Mark keeps us up to date on the latest hot topics in nephrology. Today, we have two topics to discuss. Uh, the first is the recent research from Stanford University looking at the value of early screening for chronic kidney disease. And the second is some fallout from Medicare's proposed payments for dialysis and physician services in 2024. Now, going back to the first topic, you know, Stanford is known for many things from their excellent academic standards to their marching band, so quite you know, different things. Uh, but when I first saw this topic list for today, Mark, I instantly thought of a podcast I listened to, which is hosted by a professor of neurobiology and ophthalmology at Stanford School of Medicine. Now, it's not a nephrology podcast, um, but if it were to be an opportunity, I'd definitely do a podcast with him. He's a cool guy. But they got me wondering, you know, are you a podcast guy and what's your go-to topic? Yes, um, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I don't know if I've ever mentioned to you, but I'm a, a classic car buff. And um, <clears throat> there's lots of podcasts out there about, you know, how to take care of your car, some some great opportunities to learn how to fix your own car. Uh, there's lots of sessions out there and discussions about the value of classic cars. So, um, and of course, they're sponsored by manufacturers of parts and auto waxes and things of that sort. So it makes it interesting, keeps you keeps you uh, excited about when you look at your next bill to get your engine rebuilt. Uh, keeps you excited, keeps you in the hobby. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of good car stuff out there. Yeah, exactly. Um, now getting back on topic, you know, CKD seems to be on everyone's mind today, you know, from payers to providers, patients, even those who may be future patients and just don't know it yet. Uh, it seems like an opportunity to identify the disease early and slow progression. So why don't we start with the Stanford University research? Okay, sounds good. So yes, this, as you mentioned, there's no question that after years of both Medicare and commercial health plans are focusing on end-stage care, in essence, how to keep people alive with end-stage kidney disease through dialysis and the hope for a kidney transplant. You know, today, payers are embracing the idea of value-based care. We've had a number of discussions about this on these podcasts. And that includes a more holistic approach to kidney care, uh, addressing it earlier, treating it aggressively, and work at keeping patients off dialysis. Yeah, and we know that roughly 14% of the US population, and it's about one in seven, or around 37 million people have some level of kidney disease. And to me, the really scary thing is that nine out of 10 of those, you know, patients may not even know about it. So we've got this 37 million number, which compares to about 700,000 that are on dialysis or have a transplant. So, you know, that end stage population. So we're comparing thousands of people we're treating now to millions of people with some level of kidney dysfunction that may require treatment later. Yeah, exactly. So the research at Stanford is interesting because it's focused on the potential value of early screening for CKD. So the investigators believe that screening all US residents, and this, these are the conclusions from the study, which is uh, published uh, recently. So the research at Stanford focused on, as we mentioned, CKD, and they believe that screening all US residents over 35 would quote, increase life expectancy, reduce the number of people requiring dialysis or transplant, and provide good value in healthcare spending. So there's a few benefits there, um, and we should probably tackle one at a time. And why don't we start with life expectancy? Okay, sounds good. So we do know that life expectancy on dialysis is short, uh, primarily because many patients who get to end-stage kidney disease 
already have a host of medical issues, you know, such as cardiovascular disease, diabetes, obesity, and high blood pressure. So kidney failure exacerbates those issues. Logically, detecting CKD earlier can extend someone's life with kidney disease, but maybe at stage two and three, when interventions have some real value, uh, versus stage four and five, when some experts believe it is almost too late. Uh, annual Medicare spending on CKD is $87 billion a year, and an additional $37 billion is spent annually on kidney replacement therapy or dialysis or transplant. So Stanford says, how do we increase the life expectancy at a lower cost? That's a key point of this study. So here's a quote from one of the researchers, Marika Cusick, and she's a PhD candidate in health policy at Stanford and a lead author on the study, uh, which was published recently in Annals of Internal Medicine. And she said, CKD is often clinically silent until patients reach late stage kidney disease. So many people with early stage CKD aren't aware if they have it, as you mentioned earlier, Jeff. By screening for CKD, we can diagnose and treat at an earlier stage, improving life expectancy and reducing the risk of progressing to late stage kidney disease, which is deadly and costly. Uh, that's what uh, Kusick said. That was a quote from her from the paper. And, you know, that makes sense. Then it goes back to that old saying of an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. You know, we can pay clinicians to develop treatment plans before the major kidney damage is done. You know, that should save kidney function and money too. So can you tell us about the study? Um, what was the database used? Yeah, so uh, as part of the study, the researchers used data from the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey. So this is an annual national representation survey by the National Center for the Health Statistics to assess the health of some 5,000 adults and children in the United States. So what they did was they extrapolated the, their results uh, to this full U.S. health adult population, uh, which was age 35 years and older. And they conducted this cost-effectiveness analysis of screening for albinuria with and without SGLT2 inhibitors to the current standard of care for CKD. So then the authors looked at costs, uh, quality-adjusted life years, and incremental cost-effectiveness ratios. And they found that screening, in addition to using SGLT2 inhibitors, of the 158 million people aged 35 to 75 in the United States, would prevent the need for dialysis or kidney transplant in 398,000 uh, of 658,000 individuals during their lifetime, depending on the frequency of the screening. Well, you know, screening and treatment is expensive too. Uh, and you need the resources and the personnel to manage it. Well, exactly. <clears throat> You're right about that. Researchers acknowledged that issue, noting that adding a one-time screening that included the inhibitors would increase total lifetime healthcare costs from 249800 to 259,000. So it's only, it's about a $10,000 uh, increase for 55 year olds. But they believe the intervention provides good value when considering the dollars spent on treating chronic kidney disease and the health benefits. And here's a quote um, again from one of the study authors. Advanced kidney disease harms the health of Americans, places burdens on families and caregivers, and is extremely costly for the healthcare system to manage. That's a quote from uh, uh, Jeremy Goldhaber uh, Ferbert. He's a PhD and professor of health policy and senior author of the study. 
this analysis shows that when it is a substantial undertaking, screening to detect chronic kidney disease before it advances and providing effective new treatments improves health and represents good value for the money and resources used. So I think the bottom line is ultimately that $10,000 cost can be looked at as what are the other benefits that uh, comes with that? And namely the fact that you're slowing down the progression of CKD, but you're also at the same time improving a patient's health and well-being and quality of life. The, the, the more time you can spend off a dialysis machine and have the potential uh, to get a transplant, those are all positive things. I think if the government looked at it from that perspective or, or any payer for that matter and said, well, this is going to cost us an additional $10,000, uh, we will certainly pay that in, in exchange for uh, keeping the patient out of the hospital, which is extremely costly, and, uh, and improve the well-being and uh, potentially you know, staying off dialysis for a longer period of time. Yeah, it's interesting. It's not that big of a price tag for the potential benefits that you would see with prevention and screening. Uh, so it's a very interesting study. And yeah. I can tell you in my discussions with the healthcare providers, the SGLT2 inhibitors are the go-to medications right now for kidney longevity. You know, But I suspect not enough CMS administrators have really studied the cost of care this year. Uh, before releasing their recommended payment for dialysis clinics and nephrology practices, uh, which leads into our next topic. Yeah, you nailed it. I mean, uh, the the significance of cost savings, uh, you know, from a payer's perspective, um, it clearly took a reverse role when we're talking about our next issue, which is about payment for dialysis care and uh, and physician payment. Uh, clearly, maybe CMS is thinking, well, we're investing a lot more money now in CKD care. We should probably be able to cut back on those who are on dialysis. And, and unfortunately, that's what they did. Uh, recently, um, the CMS, as it does every year, releases a proposed rule uh, for the upcoming year in terms of a variety of things, um, particularly about payment in the ESRD payment bundle. So that's the that's the payment that dialysis facilities get per patient from Medicare. And um, each year there's always an increase. There has been for a number of years. But um, as we'll discuss in a minute, if there's 1.6% increase in the bundle payment rate as proposed by CMS. And, and uh, the doctors, in fact, will get even less than that. Um, uh, the message is that because of what happened with COVID, because of the increase in labor costs, these dialysis clinics aren't going to be able to make it on that. I mean, you know, 1.6% increase doesn't nearly cover those costs. So specifically what CMS is proposing is, as I mentioned, 1.6% increase in the payment bundle for dialysis treatments. That's about half of what CMS paid in an increase to dialysis providers last year. And that was only 3%. So again, there, there's not, there aren't huge payments coming through. Uh, dialysis providers have said that the high cost of personnel, the continuing recovery from the pandemic, and other issues will make it difficult for some of them to survive. And that's not what we want to hear at all, uh, especially with, you know, we see and hear a lot about shortages in uh, kidney, per, kidney care currently. Um, so what about the Medicare payments to physicians? Yeah, so no good news there at all. 
uh, Medicare is proposing that payment amounts under the physician fee schedule would be reduced by 1.25% compared to this year, this uh, calendar year 2023. Uh, CMS proposing increases in payment for many visit services, uh, such as primary care. And it's always been felt that primary care has been underfunded for many years. So they're trying to play catch up on that now. And these proposed increases require offsetting and budget neutrality adjustments to all other services paid for under the physician fee schedule by law. So in other words, if you're gonna pay the primary care physicians more money, it's gotta come from somewhere. Um, the proposed um, 2024 fee-for-service conversion factor, uh, which in essence is used by CMS to determine the payment, is going to be $32.75. So that's a decrease of $1.14 or 3.34% from last year. So none of that is good news for nephrologists and physicians in general. Um, last year, there was a huge proposed decrease in payment and the nephrologists and other physician groups got together and, um, and coerced or, <laughs> or talked to Congress into stepping in and reducing that rate, and they did reduce it substantially. Um, but in this particular case, uh, there may be another factor here. And again, it'd be interesting to see what groups like the Renal Physicians Association, American Society of Nephrology, and how they get involved, and other groups to see if this will come about with change. You know, physicians argue that lots of their costs go up as well, namely office practice expenses, um, um, you know, things like liability insurance, uh, personnel, of course, um, and things of that sort, just like any other operation. So um, actually taking a decrease in this case or, de or taking a hit in terms of those uh, payments um, is even worse. So we're going to see what happens. Again, those rules do, do, can be modified um, depending on involvement by different organizations. So we'll see what happens with the... Uh, with the bundle payment rate. And uh, the bundle payment rate uh, proposed rule also includes changes to what's called the QIP, which is the Quality Incentive Program. Um, each year they change the reporting measures, so there's some changes in there as well. Um, but um, uh, the bottom line is uh, uh, those kinds of increases, and uh, in this case for physicians, potential decreases um, are gonna have a, a significant impact. So. Um, like I said, uh, over the next three or four weeks, we'll look for some reaction from these groups, and um, uh, we'll report on them in the next uh, podcast. Yeah, and that's going to be an excellent segue into next month's discussion, where we can dig more into those proposals. You know, no one likes to hear of a decrease in their payments or even a very minute increase in some of those uh, reimbursements. So I'm sure we'll hear plenty more about this in the coming weeks and months and into the end of the year. Um, certain we'll hear from RPA, especially as they get really into the policy behind all this stuff. Right. You know, one thing nice about uh, what CMS does now, and they hadn't done seriously in the past, is they have an open uh, discussion. Um, groups can respond to these uh, proposed rules, and they do get changed. They do get modified. So that's, that's a good thing. Um, and I'm sure we'll be hearing from a number of groups about it, including the AMA, by the way. I'm sure they'll be getting involved, because as I said, this affects all specialties, um, not just uh, not just nephrology. So uh, it's always a tug of war every year. Um, sometimes uh, there's clawbacks, 
and physicians get some of that money back. Um, for dialysis clinics, it's not going to be as easy because they generally don't change those proposed rates. Um, so it could uh, particularly have an effect on independent dialysis providers. Uh, and of course, uh, providers who have clinics in rural areas where costs are higher. So those are the main concerns. If you start cutting out um, uh, rural facilities where uh, there aren't that many, and you force people to drive further distances because a provider says, look, we just can't, we just can't hire the people we need to hire and, uh, and, and meet our bottom line. Um, you know, that's, that's usually the fallout that's unfortunate. Yeah, and we could see some serious downstream effects from, you know, closing up some rural areas. So that that could be a big disadvantage to the patients. But, you know, we'll see how this goes in the coming weeks and months, as we said. So, uh, Mark, thank you so much for joining us to discuss, I think, a couple of great topics today. You know, with the new research from Stanford on the value of CKD screening. And really, I think this was just a little teaser on Medicare's proposed payments for dialysis and physicians for 2024. Um very interesting stuff out of Stanford, helping to build the case for screening and prevention of kidney disease. And I think all of our kidney care providers and organizations will enjoy seeing that. Um, I'm really looking forward to digging more into this Medicare payment proposals next month. So that should be a, a great topic. Uh, and thank you to the Nephew community. Be sure to like and subscribe to the Nephew podcasts. You can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. And be sure to join us next month so Mark can keep us up to date with the latest hot topics in nephrology. Thank you.